0: doesn't matter what it is god is fighting for us and he's pushing back the darkness you know uh, i heard that song i was traveling to tulsa in may and as i was traveling uh, megan had given me the cd and i didn't know it was old how many you know old music is not necessarily out of date (laughs) and uh, i thought it was a new one that darlene check had written and in the in the music she uh, said um I believe she had come out of cancer, she had been fighting cancer, and I believe God gave her that song to fight that cancer, and she said, we're going we're gonna to sing this today over anybody who's sick, and God is going to do something in your life. The, the Bible, there is a scripture that says, I will live, and I will declare, I will not die, and I will declare the works of the Lord. And so, uh, I believe that song is a song for today, where we're at as a nation, we need our nation healed. How many of you know we need that We need our nation healed. We need our lives as Christians healed so we can be all God's called us to be in the darkest hour. We're going to be the light. Amen. We're not going to be like on and off. I went to turn my light on by my bed last night and it kept going on and off. And I thought, what is the matter with you? Do you know, I tried to touch the light bulb. It was already too hot, but that light bulb is going out. And so it's starting to do funky things. We are not funky people. We are faithful people. Amen. And we are going to push back the darkness till it gets out of our way. We are aggressive against the work of the enemy. No weapon formed against us will prosper in Jesus name. How many of you believe that? That's a high name. Father, we thank you for that name. We lift it up in this house today. Jesus, the name above all names. No weapon formed against this congregation will prosper. The families of this church belong to God. They are protected by the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over the homes in this church. We thank you, Lord. No weapon, no weapon of the enemy, no deception of the enemy will find a place that the door is shut to the power of the enemy in the household of faith in this church and everybody who believed that said amen hallelujah well pick up your bibles let's make our confession you know confession is good it's good for us because sometimes we need to be reminded of what we believe sometimes we need to be reminded that our believer is stronger than the unbelief that is in the world amen so let's say this together the word of god is truth if i live the word i will be blessed if i don't i won't it's just that simple turn to your neighbor and say it's so simple it's hard to mess it up you can have a seed. although it seems a lot of people are trying they're really working at it hallelujah Today, I'm going to finish uh, actually what ended up being a two-part series because the first message I had was the one I'm going to preach today, and then the Lord last week began to speak to me um, about the church, about our assignment, where we're at. You know, when things happen in the world, uh, God is not caught by surprise. Uh, Sometimes we are caught by surprise, but truly, um, in this church anyway, my husband has been speaking for a year To the body of Christ here that we need to be in a time of great awareness of what's happening around us and not be ignorant of the enemy's devices to know what day it is, what time it is in the kingdom of God in the clock that God has, which is different than ours. His timetables are different than ours. But God is a God of order. And so what is it happening right now in the United States of America? Maybe what's happening in your life, things that you never believed would happen in your life. How many of you have ever been there and thought, I would never would have thought I would have been in this place. But there are things that come because the enemy has intensified over time. He continues to intensify because he knows his time is short and his destination is not good. And he knows that. So as many of the believers, I believe, That the enemy can stop in the hour we're believing in. That's his target. You know, the lost are lost. And if he can stop the believers, our assignment is to be a witness to the lost. So if we're stopped, then the lost are not threatened to become part of the kingdom of God because they have no light that they can see. It's just dark. Well, when God gave me this message uh, that I shared last week, uh, I pledge allegiance is the title of both of these. But the subtitle last week was odds and ends. And the reason that I shared that was there's always a remnant That's the light. God always has a remnant in the earth, no matter how dark it gets. If you read the old covenant, you see many times it gets dark and it looks like it's hopeless, even for the children of Israel. However, in that gross darkness that they would face, there was always a light, and that was the remnant. Everybody say remnant. Now, I'm not a seamstress, but I do know, and I know that word applies to, uh, fabric. When you get done cutting out a pattern, you may have fabric that's left over everybody say left over and then that fabric is called like a remnant or maybe there's just a small piece that they have left on a bolt and they say oh you know it's just a remnant and they package it up and throw it on a table it's for sale it doesn't have as much value well in the kingdom of god we're the remnant I believe in the earth today, the church that is preaching Jesus, that preaches signs, wonders and miracles are for today that healing belongs to the people of God. That's a remnant because there's a lot of the church that doesn't preach any of that. The power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A lot of those things are not even being taught today. Not, a lot of churches don't even believe in those things. However, the word is always the word. Because God said, I don't change. I don't change my mind. Uh, I found that out with God. How many of you have wanted him to change his mind? You know, just could we just change it a little bit right here? No, God says, I change not. That's in the book of Malachi. So no matter what the situation in the world, God is still on time. He's still in authority. He still has dominion. Psalm 24 still applies. I own all I own all of the earth and the fullness thereof and every living thing in it. Turn to your neighbor and say, that includes you. So God is the owner of all things. We have stewardship and we're commanded in the word of God to be stewards of the gospel. We're to, to share the gospel. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples, teach people the truth of the word of God. So even though we're a remnant and the, we're, I, the reason I got odds and ends is that was one of the descriptions of a remnant is just odds and ends, but we are very valuable. We are not, we are not, we may be left over as far as the whole body is concerned of Christ or the remnant that's left in the earth. But we have value because we belong to God. And the same uh, spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the Bible says, dwells in you. Everybody say it's in me. That's that thing inside of you that goes, "Mm -hmm," and you're going. Or you're shaking real bad. Have you ever had that happen? And you know it's God. Some of us just keep shaking till we can get away. But God, when you're shaking, God wants to do something. God wants to show up mighty in that situation. So the remnant has a place. The remnant has a a position. Uh, I shared out Zephaniah, and I talked about how uh, God said there will be a place for the remnant. There will be a place for them. It will be on the coast, which is where there's a water supply. And for once, that scripture really meant a lot to me because it talked about cities that I had just seen in Israel. So it became very real to me. You know, God wants the word of God, his word to you to become what's called revelation that means you get a understanding of it that nobody can take it away from you that's when you have revelation revelation is not necessarily what i teach what my husband teaches what you hear bible teachers nothing is revelation till you say i know it and there's a difference between i heard it And I know it. And so what God wants us to live in the day we're in is a knowing of God, not just a hearing, but a knowing. Because when you know, you do. You know, it says that there's deception if you hear, but you don't do. But if it's revelation, you will do it. You will do what God gives you to do. So as as we finish that odds and ends, we talked about Galatians 3. And I want to just share a little bit of the scripture. And could you put up uh, verse 5 for me? The beginning of this in verse 3 says, Oh, you foolish Galatians, having begun in the spirit, are you now going to finish in the flesh? Listen, this thing may be wrapping up. It could wrap up any day. But when it wraps up, we need to be in the spirit and not in the flesh. That means we're not moved by what's going on. It says in this is verse 5, therefore he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles, everybody say miracles. Yeah. Miracles, I want to see miracles that absolutely change the situation instantly in people's lives. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And, you know, man's laws don't give people permission to do anything. Uh, they may think they're giving per- people permission, like the ones that were just passed, the gay lifestyles, uh, abortion, things that we've that the law has passed. There's nothing that can defeat that except the power of God, because people choose whether they're going to do something or they're not. And and now they've given them permission, but it doesn't change the fact that they can say, no, I'm not doing that. So a law doesn't make people do anything. People still choose. Everybody say, I can still choose. And so it may give people permission, but they ultimately have to make a choice. And as we uh, do this message today, I felt to entitle fierce loyalty. Everybody say fierce loyalty. And the reason that happened, I was reading in the old covenant. I was reading second Samuel and it's about David. David was a man who was after God's heart. Uh, that's what God said about him. He he's after my heart. He, he loves me. He will do what I tell him. Um, now we know David made mistakes. Everybody say we can make mistakes. God sees our heart with God, everything is a heart issue. It says he knows the motives and the intents of the heart. So David's heart was revealed to God as a heart who would follow God no matter what. And he did have to do some things that were very hard to do, but he, he, uh, exemplified fierce loyalty to David. And we're going to read a story. It's in second Samuel 23. If you want to go ahead and put it up there. Um, it's, it's, A story that you may have heard, maybe you haven't, but uh, David faced many battles. He was in many situations that looked very detrimental to his life, to uh, the people, even in his armies. But he had what was known as mighty men. Everybody say mighty men (laughs) who surrounded him. And uh, specifically, he had three that were like the three mighty men then there were 30 more that it says didn't have the power and authority of the three but these were what we would call in leadership the inner circle everybody say inner circle they were these were the people he had a much larger army than that but this was the this was the group of people that were very committed to David they were loyal Everybody say loyal. And so there's this story uh, about David, and it says, David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. So he was in a position where he was close to the Philistines, and they were the enemy. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink from of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. He, he could envision that, and he just said that, and he's in this place of uh, where he can't get to it. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but he poured it out to the Lord. Now, he said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy? Everybody say fierce loyalty. You know, it was just a drink of water. It was a desire of David. It wasn't about a battle, but their loyal was so great, these three mighty men, that they would go behind enemy lines to get the water to bring it back for their leader. And uh, I want to read to you, this is in uh, John Maxwell's Bible, but as I read this, this is when this message, God began to really just put it in me. You know, we see and we hear constantly all the negatives that are happening, but I don't know about you, but I remember years ago, I would go to dinner with these people And there were four of six of us, actually, who would go to dinner. And it was pretty much a every Saturday night thing. And one of the people would always say and complain about the same circumstance every week. Have you ever been with anybody like that? Just, I mean, every week, every week. And finally, now I was the youngest one there in this group of people. I said, well, why don't you just talk to them and do something about it? Well, I was excommunicated from the conversation after that as the one who butted into their complaining session and had a, a desire to have a solution. And so when I hear, you know, on television, all these commentators and everybody discussing how bad it is and everybody's opinion on how bad it is, I want to scream, well, what are we going to do about it? Because God always has answer. Even if he's about to blow the trumpet, there's something he's saying for the church to be doing. I mean, in Second Chronicles, he told Solomon, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I find nothing in the Old Covenant. I've read it lots of times this year with new eyes because I've been looking and, and searching. Okay, God, what is the deal? And it is this, as much as I could tell, for my, my discerning. If Israel obeyed, God took care of them. If Israel disobeyed, God didn't take care of them. Pretty simple. Everybody say, pretty simple. The enemies were not greater than the Israelites unless the Israelites were disobedient. Then God would let their enemy rise up against them, but only to show them, hey, y'all, you still need me. Y'all remember me? Woo! It's me, God. That's what he wanted was to bring them back to him. So the, even the enemy that rose up was just a wake-up call for the fact that they had disobeyed God and got themselves in a bad position. So God, in his mercy, is looking for the church always to not just survive but have the victory. Everybody say, have the victory. So there's got to be something that we can do in the situation we're in. And that's when I begin to see in this story fierce loyalty. And it's really fierce loyalty to God. And I want to read you what he says in his commentary. And yet the moment David's men heard their leader mutter how he'd love to sip a cool drink from a certain Bethlehem well, they immediately broke through enemy lines and braved Philistine swords and spears to retrieve a cup of precious liquid. David had invested. Everybody say had Invested so much in his inner circle that fierce loyalty was the natural result. In other words, he had done so much for them and lived it before them that they wanted To do for him whatever they could, it was their loyalty. And we're not even talking about a war here. We're talking about a drink of water. Such astonishing loyalty does not come from a mere job description. How many of you know because somebody has a title doesn't mean that people are loyal to them? It doesn't mean that. Then it says it doesn't develop because the leader is scheduled for promotion. How many of you have ever had somebody in, in your sphere of influence, and they're going to be promoted over you, and you're not so loyal? I don't want them to be my boss. So it, it, you're not you're going to be loyal because somebody becomes the president or becomes a leader over you. That doesn't bring loyalty. It doesn't appear on demand. In other words, you can't say to somebody, you will be loyal to this organization. How many of you know people say, yeah, just to keep their paycheck? Listen to people when they're not at work and see what you hear. Are they loyal to the person they get a paycheck from? Oh, now I've gone to meddling. I'll move right on. (laughs) Loyalty like this comes only through modeling. Everybody say modeling. David modeled before his men what they did for him. You know, when, when he was in that cave and Saul was going to get him at Enghidi, you know, Saul was after him. They happened to be in the same cave, just in opposite sides. I was in Enghidi. If you want to put up that picture, it's beautiful in Angiti, and there's a big waterfall. I'm in the lower uh, waterfall, and then up above, a lot of the people went up to the higher place. But, you know, that's that's the lower falls just before, and up above there is a much bigger falls, and it's where the cave is where uh, David and, and Saul were in opposite ends of the cave. Well, he, could, he cut the material off his robe, but it says that he repented after he did it. He didn't take Saul's life, number one, but number two, he repented. David repented for cutting off that little piece of material because he so honored Saul's position as king even though he knew he was going to be the king. Everybody say, that's loyalty. Who is he loyal to? He's loyal to God. And, you know, he was in God's inner circle. And God began to say to me, you know, when you're on the front row, everybody say the front row. <laughs> that means you have responsibility. The people who are sitting right here on the front row, they have responsibility in this church. That means God requires more of them than he would require of all of you. Do you get that? Uh, at Victory, when we were in Tulsa years ago, my husband, uh, Pastor Billy Joe promoted him into a position. And, and, you know, at that time we looked at each other and said, he just doesn't know who we are. He wouldn't do this, <laughs> but he did it anyway. And so the man that was over my husband said, uh, y'all now need to sit on the front row. Well, Bill and I neither wanted one to be on the front row because then, you know, you're responsible for whatever you've been told you're going to do. And we wouldn't even we didn't even know if we could do it, number one. And uh, so my husband said, well, you know, he just said that in passing. So we're just going to sit up here where we normally sit. So we didn't go on the front row because we really didn't know anybody on the front row. <laughs> and so we were kind of sitting up there. And one day, the guy that was over him came up and said, uh, Mickler. Do we need to write you a written invitation or what do we need to do to get you down on the front row? What is it you're waiting on? And he goes, oh, I'll be right down. Because he said, they really do mean it. Come on, we're going to the front row. Now, going to the front row didn't mean that we were special people. It meant that we had authority to do some things that we had been given by the guy at the top. And God has made you front row people. Turn to your neighbor and say, "Uh uh-oh. I'm just telling you, you're on the front row with God. Why? Because God has made a remnant come alive in the earth. And they're coming alive. Not just in this church, all over the world. The church that believes, everybody say believes, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That will stand and say, God is still healing people today. And if somebody dies, they don't go, oh, well, we might as well get out of this. They just say, praise God, we're we're pressing through this. We're going on. In the 30, well, this is actually 26 years ago this Thursday, we started this church. And there's a lot of things I haven't seen yet that God has promised. And sometimes you want to say, ah, you know, I don't know. I mean, if you look at all the things that have happened in 26 years, at one point back there, our administrator, the lady who led me to the Lord... And and was in this church teaching in our Bible school. Her husband went on a missions trip and he died on that missions trip because of a choice of a a young man to take a plane and fly it. And it wasn't the best choice, but you know what? He's in heaven rejoicing. But you know what happened? She just left. And I would have never thought that. You know why? Because the enemy is a thief. He is a thief. Our lives in this position are not based on... Fierce loyalty is not based on, I got to see what I wanted. Fierce loyalty is, I am, I am loyal to him because I believe him. And I believe who he is. You know, it says in Romans, this is clear off my message. The people will get to the place where they worship the creation more than the creator. We are there. And it says, God will turn them over. M- women will lust for women. Men will lust for men. It says right there in the Bible and and you know we're 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 upset with nine chief justices we need to be upset with the enemy that he got this far to cause this kind of thing to come upon the United States of America I'm just saying hallelujah we don't fight against people we fight against powers and principalities that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God I got that paper I got those nine chief justices and I'm praying over them They are people they are not God they are people And these other people that are doing some of this stuff, they are people. They are not God. And so if we're fiercely loyal to God because we are front row people, then we're going to get in prayer. We're going to do what we got to do to stop this thing. And we're going to find the We're going to follow the model. Everybody say follow the model. Because David's men were following what he did. And that's why they went to get that for him. And his modeling was, this cost you so much, I'm not even going to drink it. Think of the people who would follow him even more after that. Now, when he started, he didn't have these three mighty men. Let me give you the description. It'll help you say, oh, I can be a front row person. Let's see that. It's in 1 Samuel. This is his first army. And, uh, you know, he's fighting for his life because Saul's always trying to kill him. And so it's 1 Samuel, I think. Uh, 1 Samuel 22, Sandy. Yeah, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, because he got away from Saul, they went down there to him. And this is the group that joined him as his army. Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented. That was his army. And there were 400 of them, Wasn't he blessed Wouldn't it be wonderful to be leading 400 people, not just a couple, 400 who are in distress, they're in debt, and all of them are discontented, and they say, "Hey, take me, I want to be in your group." You know that Red Rover, Red Rover, sent so and so over. That wouldn't be who you'd be asking for. Give me the good, give me some of those good ones. But by the end, he had three mighty men, 30 others that were just as loyal. And armies of people who were with him. And when he became the king, they all followed him because he modeled. Do you know Jesus was the greatest model we will ever have? I mean, he was the most fiercely loyal person that we will ever be able to identify with. So we have a model. Everybody say, I have a model. See, when people get their their modeling based on people They're in a bad place. Everybody say a bad place. You know, a lot of times, uh, and it's natural. You know, I I listen to Joyce Meyer. I listen to people. Ken Copeland and Jerry Seville. I always loved Jerry Seville. You know, a lot of these people were really important in my life. They spoke and and I heard. You know, they ministered to my life. I was able to grab hold of their word. But ultimately, everybody say ultimately, fierce loyalty has to be to God and to the word of God. And the truth of the word of God, regardless of what men do, because men do miss it and men do fall and men do fail. And there's nobody they say is I've heard people say there's nobody who treats their fallen worse than the church. Well, that's because they had their hope in them. And that's why they act like that. They don't remember that they what was it? uh, Janet used to say all men put their pants on the same way. You know, so don't don't fall in love with your pastor. That's for all of you that have fallen in love with Pastor Bill. <laughs> He's not here. I can say anything I want. Hallelujah. No, I'm just kidding. He's a wonderful example to the body of Christ. I believe he is to me. Anyway, I give him a hard time sometimes, but he is. Uh, you know, it's if we're looking at Jesus, then we've got the model that we need to follow. He said, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, people recover, speak in tongues, do all of these things. And there's nowhere in the Bible where he said, listen, you don't need to do that anymore. There's a lot of people who get scriptures and try to make it look like that. But it's not like that. It is the truth of the word of God that God has given his church the authority to do what we've got assigned to us to do. Now, we're in a position... Uh, I said last week where it says in Mark chapter 10 that they left all to follow. Peter said, but Lord, we've left everything to follow you. And he said, there's no one who's left everything, father, mother, sister, brother, and all those things who will not receive a hundredfold in this life. Everybody say in this life. Now, some people think it's going to be in heaven when you get the rewards. No, it says in this life with persecutions. See, persecution is is an enemy of fierce loyalty. Uh, lust for things is a, uh, a distraction from people remaining fiercely loyal. Sam Samuel uh, believed in David. Uh, David believed Solomon was the choice that God had to replace him. You know, and so um, Samuel anointed David even before Saul's death. And then... David believed his son was the one that was supposed to be the next leader. Now, if you look at Solomon's life, it's a little different than David's. And it says, it's in 1 Chronicles 28, that this is what Solomon, or this is what David told his son. He, He was trying to model, he did model before his son what he was to be. But it says, as for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a... A what kind of heart? Loyal. A loyal heart. And with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all the hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forget, seek him, he will cast you off forever. Well, then in the next chapter 29, he's praying just like David prayed over his situations and prayed for his men. He prays and says, give my son Solomon a... A loyal heart. Everybody say loyal. He was still asking God, what was he asking God for? A loyal heart. Now we know Solomon, when God asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. And he said, an understanding heart. He also said that, that I might rule your people, that I might do. So that blessed God. Why? Because he, was, he wanted to help people. And he wanted to have whatever he needed to help people. So that was a blessing. So Solomon started out right. He started out with his father telling him and praying for him. He started out with an understanding that he had to have God's help. But it says by the end of his life, he was no longer a loyal heart to God. What happened? That's exactly what it says. Can you put up that scripture? It's in um, let's see, is it First Kings 11. Now, what happened? Well, he loved horses and he loved women. God said back in the Old covenant that you shall not accumulate horses. What's wrong with horses? I mean, I I was at Cracker Barrel with my sister and there's this sign out there. My sister loves horses. And it's and this sign says, I wasn't looking at you, cowboy. I was looking at your horse. (laughs) I thought that was a cute, cute sign. But Solomon loved horses and he started adding wives. And it says that in the scripture for it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not was not loyal to the lord his god as was the heart of his father david everybody say loyalty see what happened to him was he let go of that loyalty to god because he started going after things that were not for him that were god now i know that this seems like it may not fit but um, in, in this context but it does to me and I want to share what I felt the Lord show me a long time ago the Lord told me in the last days people will give up praying in the Holy Ghost they'll stop praying in the Holy Spirit it was a word he gave me supernaturally in a meeting I wasn't even gonna speak in the meeting God through gently just said come up and encourage the women I begin to speak and I just begin to weep and I said to those women don't ever stop praying in the Holy Spirit don't ever stop praying in the Holy Ghost It's the perfect will of God. Don't ever stop praying the perfect will of God. The Bible says so in Romans eight, the Holy spirit will help us pray when we don't know how to pray. How many of you don't know how to pray right now? Well, that's why we need the Holy ghost. And then the second thing he told me was in the last days, people will become totally focused on sin and they will let go of righteousness. See the message of hope for the body of Christ. The message of hope for the world is the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus not their righteousness, but the righteousness of God, the message of righteousness, the message of Jesus died for your sins. And if you will receive Christ, he will forgive your sins and you will become a new creation. And it is the righteousness of God that you receive, not your own righteousness. And so the enemy, when the enemy comes, he tries to hide what God is going to use. And so he focuses everybody on the sin. And and, and I continually hear and see in the papers, you know, I, I hear about sin. I hear people fighting over what's right, who is right right. Who's not right. You hear it on television. Then you see shows that are exemplifying all the evil that's there. And so it's like, wow, we are weak. This is real. This is true. Everybody say true. Well, it's true for the world, but it's not true in the kingdom of God. Nothing has changed. And so when I, when I was thinking of this, the one thing that God has said to me, that's kept me going through all the years of ministry is the scripture in first Corinthians 15. And it says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? And then it goes on and says, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Everybody say, the law. Then it says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In the Lord. Everybody say, in the Lord. When you're doing what God says, it's never in vain. But it says in my commentary, the strength of sin is the law. See the law. When you try to get everybody back under the law, uh, you know the laws are right now. Some of them are giving people permission to do stuff. But then there's the church who wants to put everybody back under the law. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't. Instead of preaching Jesus and His love and His righteousness, that will change their heart. And only with a heart can you be loyal. You cannot be loyal with your head. I've seen it too many times. And I've done it myself. I've had to repent. See, loyalty is never based on your mindset. It's based on your heart. And if we don't get to the hearts of people, nothing will ever change. Not only in their life, but in the lives of the people they affect. Nobody's going to be a good parent if they don't have Jesus. And they don't allow God to work with their heart. And this is what it said. It says, The law, good in itself, was given to weak and sinful people. When the law's moral claim encounters sinful human nature, it activates sin. Rather than bringing salvation, it brings condemnation. However, the resurrection of Christ brings victory over sin, the law, and death. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill the law. In other words, there's nothing more that can be done. The only thing that can be done now is to change the hearts of men to love God more than they love themselves. It says it in Second Timothy. In the last days, they will love themselves more than they love God. Bottom line. You can read it. What does it say for us to do? Continue in the things that you have learned. The scripture is the inspired word of God. Stay on what I've told you to do. What are we going to do in this last hour? We're going to be fiercely loyal. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to go take people out who don't believe what we do. You know, my husband, he tickles me sometimes. And uh, my sister last night, we were playing euchre. And her little grandson, he's learning to play euchre with us. And so it's my mother and me and her and my, her grandson. And we're ahead now. And she is upset with him because if you understand euchre, he has just got them euchred, which means we get two points and they got zero. And it was because he made Trump something that he hardly had any of. And so she said, so the next time he goes, oh, I don't know if I should. And she says to him, go ahead, don't be fearful. I'm just going to kill you if you do it wrong. <laughs> And he goes, I don't think I should, you know, (laughs) well, that's not what we're going to do to people who don't do our thing the way we want them to. So what we're going to do is believe God and expect signs, wonders, and miracles, because those things will change the heart of people just like that. I cannot tell you the number of times that people have come to this altar and God has given me a word to speak into their life. And I do not even know them. You may have been a recipient. I'm as shocked as they are. Sometimes I think, oh, you don't want me to say that, do you? You don't want me to say you're on drugs and God wants you to know that he's going to help you get off. You really don't want me to say that, do you? And he says, say it. And it changes their life in an instant. See, the word of knowledge, the things God has given the church, that's what we're going to do. We are going to be who God called us to be. We're going to be fiercely loyal to who we serve and we do not serve the world. I went back and looked in Jesus. Uh, it says in uh, John 16 that Jesus said, the last thing he said to his disciples, he said to them, you know, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. 16, he says, you're going to do greater works and all this stuff. But then he says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Why do you say that? Because you can't look at the world. You can't look at the law. You can't look at, you can't get people in the church back under the law because grace won't work. And grace is all that's going to work, is grace, God's grace, His amazing grace. Even today, there's messages that are being preached that are perverting the truth of grace, making it like it's okay that you can sin now and it doesn't matter because you're under grace. That's a lie. Sin still has death attached to it. But the devil always goes for the message or the word that God's going to use to set people free. So he's coming after the grace to get people confused, so they'll just pitch it all out. Everybody say, No thanks. Grace is sufficient, but it's the grace of God, not the grace that some people are preaching. If you're if you're aware and hearing the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to stop what the devil's doing, but you've got to stay in the spirit and not go to the flesh. And Jesus said, Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've overcome. You're going to have tribulation. Everybody say, it's expected. It even says in Second Timothy, evil teachers and imposters will increase. Have they increased? Has that changed who you are? Did God, did God slip off the throne? You know, is Jesus coming back to, to do it all over again and get on the cross? No, he's just coming back for the church without spot or wrinkle. God has a plan and a purpose. In this last day, we are going to rise and shine. Hallelujah. We're going to be everything. I I want to finish. It says in John 17, he prays for his disciples. After he says, be of good cheer, he says, you're not of the world. He says to his father, I'm going to pray for these people. They're not of the world. They're in it, but they're not of it. And let the love I have for you and the love you have for me and the glory that's on me be seen on them. And that's the end of his dissertation. To them before he goes to the cross, there's nothing there that says, Now, listen, we're all gonna have to get in a hole, cover up our heads, and just act like it's not happening. That's not what the word says. This is where we flourish, this is where we become all God's called us to be, this is where the light becomes brighter than the darkness i was in the river i was in in the river i was by the river yesterday and um you know i i've always i used to go to happy hollow all the time but i've i've kind of like being by the river and um i was in the park yesterday and i said lord i just don't feel comfortable here anymore he said you don't belong here anymore get by get over to the river so i go over to the river and i'm just now i haven't been able to go to the river because it flooded and it, where it flooded is where i park my car So you're not supposed to go in the water in your car. Did you know that? If it's flooded. So I stayed away. But I went and I parked and I was sitting there. And this guy backs in with a boat. And uh, I'll just end with this because it was so powerful to me. And I'm watching this guy with his... He's got a little boat. Now, it's not a rowboat. It's got a motor. But I wouldn't get in because the river was going really fast. Not by the shore, but after you got out there, it's really moving. And uh, he got in. And I noticed that when he got in, he started going with the current of the river. And uh, I thought, you know, he better, he better do something because, you know, and he had his motor going, but he was still going with the current. But his motor wasn't going very much. And then I heard him increase the motor, and he started turning the boat because he gave more power to the boat. And as he turned, once he got it turned and he went a little bit more, he put the pedal to the metal. And when he did, that boat went right through that current perfectly. I mean, that current didn't stop that boat, not for a second. And God said to me, it's time for you to put the pedal to the metal. Are you ready to put the pedal to the metal? That's what I heard, put the pedal to the metal, Pam. And, uh, and, and so I looked, and he also showed me, he said, all of a sudden the waves were crashing against the shore. Well, all the time he was going with the current, there weren't any waves. You know, if you're going with the world, you probably aren't going to notice. But you turn that boat around and you start up the other way. I remember Jerry Seville's message of trying to go upstream. It's a really funny message. But when you try to go against the current, the Lord told me it's depravity. Let me tell you, this is God comes up with big words. I have to keep my phone right by me to get in the dictionary. And this is what depravity is. It's um. A very evil quality or way of behaving. And he said, um, this, is, this is what he said, don't be concerned with how many th- times you continue to confess that is faith in Jesus' name. Always continue. Break through. Go forward against the current of depravity. He called that current that was going so fast depravity. That was, And then when I looked it up, it says that's evil quality or, or way of behaving, a corrupt act or practice. How many of you know that's what we're hearing about? All those things. And it says, I'm not, he said, I'm not moved by that. Neither should you be moved by it. Put yourself back in the boat, turn it around and go. The current is strong, but I am stronger. Put the pedal to the metal. Let's stand and put the pedal to the metal. Amen. Now, I'm going to pray for you that you'll all be able to do whatever it is God's asking you to do. But I want to pray first. First, I'm going to pray for people who may be here and don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you don't have a boat. And you are in a flood of depravity. And the current is very strong. And the only way out is To know Jesus Christ, there is no answer that I'm telling you, there's no law anybody can make, there's nothing anybody can do for people who do not know Jesus. Only Jesus in this day is gonna, that's the only thing that's gonna save people. He is the answer. It's his power, it's his anointing, it's the things he can do in our lives that will keep us safe and keep us moving forward in the kingdom of God in the earth. So, uh, if you'll bow your heads, I want to pray for you today. If there's anybody here and you say, you know, um. I've never really just said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I mean, I've heard about Jesus. I've I've been in church. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you came here today and said, you know, I'm just searching for something to make my life better because it is a mess. I've been there. I know what that's like. I know what that feels like. I know what that looks like. But I can promise you, Jesus has an answer for that situation for you. Or maybe you're here today and you say, I was walking with God and I, I got caught in that current and it began to take me the wrong way and I've not been going the way I should. If that's you for any of those situations, I want to pray for you today because Jesus is the answer. He will help you. He will will not only get in the boat with you, but he will help turn it around and get it going the direction it needs to go. No matter how hard it looks, he can do that. So, if that's you today, would you just lift your hand? We want to pray with you. I don't know all of you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? Yeah. We just pray today for a turnaround in your life. Those of you that lifted your hand, would you come down here with me? Just come down here in the front. I know it's a big step, but just come. Let me pray with you. Yeah. Let's give them a hand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hi. It's good to have you here today, sir. Hi. It's good to have you here. Good to see you. Let's all just pray and agree with these that have come. Lord, we thank you today for these that have stepped forward because we know sometimes it's a big step. It's not always easy to say, I can go up there in front of all those people and confess my faith in Jesus, but Jesus knows the beginning from the end, and even though it looks like There's no way out for me. He will make a way out for you. He will do it. He will do it. Can you come and stand behind her? Kelson, thank you. Julia, can you come stand? Father, we thank you today. I want you to stretch your hands out here, and I want us all just to pray. You can pray this after me. Whatever it is in your life that you have need of, God's here today to make a difference in your life. He sees your need, and he sees your heart. Let's say this. Father thank you for Jesus thank you that he loved me and he loves me now even in the situation I'm in he is for me he is not against me I've sinned made mistakes but today I want this ship turned around and I ask you to fill my life with the anointing of God the ability to do what I cannot do, to live in me, to make me strong, to change my direction, to help me to overcome in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's give God praise for that. Amen. Amen. Stay right here. Cause I'm